0: found us once again it's time for Latins class lacrosse classified ep 118 is coming your way right here on the lacrosse flash podcast network thanks for joining us my name is jake kelly my co-host name is brad challoner and we got another fantastic program lined up for you here for this big episode calls to the hall we go To Ed Camo to talk about Les Bartley, one of the original members of the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. Ed Camo will be coming up in quarter number two. Quick sticks in quarter three. We got we got a pretty good handful of quick sticks this week. Uh, Jimmer is back in quarter four with something else, and here in quarter one, we like to do the Stampede Stallion of the Week. We'll do that in a little bit as well, as I'll welcome you into the podcast, or onto the podcast, I should say here, Bradley. How are you? How's it going? Uh, Super Bowl going down. I actually meant to pull up the audio from last week, when you picked the Chiefs, and I picked the Bucs. But I forgot to do that, but I'm still going to rub it in your face a little bit. You picked the wrong team. Tom Brady with number seven.
1: Yeah, never, never vote against the GOAT, ever. That was a, that was a showcase, man. That was a flex. That was just, yeah, textbook, clinical precision, perfection, like at ease, too. I know Mahomes looked like a, like a, like a child yesterday yeah. like next to brady <laughs> You see <It> was... <laughs> the memes
0: of brady carrying Mah- mahomes in the backpack like take your son to well they day. remember they opened they opened
1: the broadcast with as he was ascending to fame mahomes was only six years old like it's just <laughs> crazy to see the parallels i know we'll talk about this in the fourth quarter but who's the tom brady of lacrosse so if you're listening marinate on that mm. right now who is the tom brady of the national lacrosse league past and present? And we'll talk about that in about an, in an hour or so, 45 minutes or so. But yeah, like uh, that was, well, I guess a bit of a bright spot last night was to help me forget about my lacrosse woes of the last week. Because it was pretty, it was a freaking gut punch. Last yeah,
0: week. we're, we're going to talk about that. Be, you being a music guy, though, I got to get your halftime review. Uh, some people, I thought it was kind of just like, man. Like like it didn't really good Canadian boy there the weekend doing his thing. The the feedback I got the most was that people didn't realize he had that many hit songs. Like he brought out all his hits and oh yeah, that's the weekend. That's so I don't think they really realized how popular the weekend but it, like I don't know. Like it just it didn't have the same feel I think because of the the circumstances. But you being the big music guy, what did you think of the weekend in, in the halftime show?
1: You know what? I'm going to give it a so-so score myself um it's just it's not and i've seen the weekend in concert and you know i i just don't think that his music translates that well into a stadium yeah you know what i mean like if you're tom petty or prince or even like lady gaga last year two years ago or even Katy Perry, like they're just, and and Bruno Mars and those and, Justin, and Beyonce and yeah. Coldplay and Justin Timberlake, like, like I think those artists' music just translate better to sixty thousand people and then three billion on TV. Yeah, the weekend's music and, and he's had hit songs. Like, we programmed we we have an artist separation issue we call on on when we program pop radio and that's when you have you know artists that. All their musics are in current and all their songs are playing 15 minutes apart from each other. It's called artist separation issue. It's not good for music programmers. Okay. And we have major weekend artist sep-ish, we call it, <laughs> to get really nerdy. Um, because he has so many hit songs and he's in every category that we play, right? Gotcha. And if people do right, might realize they hear those songs, they know they're a hit. But how well do those hits translate into uh into a stadium on his blinding lights is a massive song, the hills. I think translates well, but everything else is just kind of like these mid-tempo, kind of funky Man, songs. this
0: is like detailed stuff. Like I was like just expecting like an 8.3 out of 10. <laughs>
1: i'm explaining why i'm giving it the five and i think why i'm explaining why i think people felt that way too it's just okay we want we need a little bit more fireworks we need a little bit more i got a little motion um, sickness during that um, like maze
0: kind of thing too that kind of threw me off a little bit uh but yeah you know what man uh that was an absolute clinic number seven for for tom brady and Holy cow. Like I just it's mind boggling the greatness. But yeah, we will have that uh discussion about uh I don't know if you can even pick a current one because that like I just don't know if there's anyone in that stratosphere No, There's right now.
1: there's there's a couple that are on the cusp, but it's still early and it's just it's tough because no one no one can do that anymore, even in the National lacrosse. Like, like no one's gonna get seven, no one's gonna there's not gonna be many, you know, th- uh three peat dynasties going forward yeah. just with the expansion and the way things go and the way that players get juggled around now like you know you can't really build a team that stays put for five six seven years straight without losing some vets well speaking of
0: losing vets brad we may lose a few vets here in the next six or seven months like i wonder about guys like dawson and campbell and shatler and Guys yeah, are, who's played their Merrill, last game, yeah, like Jordan Hall. Joel somebody's White. gonna, yeah, somebody's gonna, like, if you haven't heard, uh, get out from from the rock that you've been under. The NLL season is canceled. We have, we were alluding to it, Brad. That you know there was hope of of doing a bubble in the Hammer. That the plans were laid out. It was close to being a go. It was kind of put to the table and on the players and the owners kind of agreeing on all the. P's and Q's, if you will, and they were ready to do it. And then the government stepped in and just said, like, this is not happening. There's more restrictions, uh, travel and work and quarantine. And like, it just if you want to get really detailed about it, our our good pal Evan Schemenauer penned out a random thoughts. that's on lacrosse flash website right now. And he breaks it down about as concise and, and clear as, as anyone could. So I I highly recommend you go give that a read. If you're questioning why this didn't happen, but it just became apparent that it was in literally impossible to pull this off. And they had to pull the plug on, on the season. And you, like you said, it's a gut punch. And now, you know, selfishly, Brad, we're, we're thinking about what we're going to talk about for the next six months here on Lax Class. We shall persevere, though, Brad. Like we'll we'll get through it. We we will. Um, but it's tough, man. Like I'm still not quite over that whole thing last week, where it was, I my hopes were so high that it was going to happen, and then just yanking the rug right out. And and we're waiting until who knows November to. Get rolling.
1: Hopefully. And Hopefully. It, it, it it couldn't happen. And I know I said here last week, eternal optimist. I thought there was a way to pull it off. But when you hear some of the stories behind the scenes about things that we didn't talk about on this show or think about, like, what if, what if they did a bubble and, and yeah, the bubble burst or the bubble collapse and the bad press you get from that, or what if players, you know, the costs were going to be high enough. What if players in the bubble get COVID and now they try and travel home and now you're paying for another, two weeks worth of per diem to keep someone quarantined in a hotel somewhere in a bubble city, bleeding money from every orifice. Like it's just, it it wasn't, I thought the teams would kind of stick together for the greater good to say at we have to spend money to salvage momentum for the national lacrosse league. But I think we're seeing across every industry right now, tough decisions being made for, for the bottom line. You can't because we need to have a league left standing, when we can get back going and you can't just bleed everyone um so it's tough man I've, it's been a, been an emotional week and i can only imagine how, yeah i know how we feel i can only imagine how the players feel players that are veterans that might rely on the income players that are rookies that you're not getting a ton of money but they were looking forward to yeah. to getting into the league and making a name for themselves and then yeah guys who have injuries that that might not Without testing your body again for another nine months, like you know, there might be guys that are done that we never see again, and that's that's a tough pill to swallow. And the free agency and what are the UFA's going to do? That are guys that are turning thirty, and what's the expansion draft going to look like? Who are we going to be able to protect? Like the league when it comes back is going to look completely different. Teammates are going to change, bodies are going to bounce around
0: into the league. (sighs) Yeah, and and they need there's some serious things they need to figure out as far as rosters and contracts and all that sort of stuff goes, and. You're right man like I, when it first struck as we like we're coming up on a year i think it's like been like 30, 330 days or something since kind of like the official pandemic was was announced and when the nll season got canceled everybody was kind of like at first it was like yeah okay we're down for a month or two we'll get a handle on this and and we'll finish off the season and then it was kind of like okay the season's not going to happen but we still got summer lacrosse that's it's going to be okay and then, well maybe summer lacrosse is going to start you know a bit later than normal but it's still going to happen and th- and then it was like okay th- it's going to be longer and then you know we, we started to round into to the fall and the winter and we realized okay the nll season's not starting right now and then there was the april okay all right, April. I can handle getting through to April. Like I can, I can wrap my head around waiting until April. And now we find out. Okay, April is not happening. We still don't really know if the
1: summer, like, I. Well, here's here's the thought. What we thought might have been, if the National Lacrosse League was playing through the summer, we thought it might be maybe the most quiet. Maybe quiet's not the right word. I don't know. They we thought it was going to be a, a Lack different luster. summer because lackluster, quieter, more parody, perhaps, um watered down. Now summer. we could have the greatest summer. We season have the great. We might have the greatest Man Cup Championship of the last Americans may be coming year. up to play. <laughs> can you imagine? Can uh, you not,
0: imagine? I can imagine. No. And 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 listen. uh We're actually, we're recording here. Starting
1: on... Yeah, we're recording on Monday. Starting on O for your Peterborough Lakers, (laughs) Mr. Tom Schreiber. Don't kid yourself,
0: man. (laughs) Uh, We're recording here on Monday. We're talking, actually, to the commissioner of the WLA tonight, a little conference call. And I'm going to ask him, like, straight up, are we prepared to start a year with no fans in the stands? Because I think that is going to have to be a strong possibility for the WLA to play this summer, just... They can play, but no fans, and I think that that's something that people need to wrap their head around. So webcasting, all the rest of it, and it, we'll we'll have to ask Paul that tonight, and and we'll talk about the draft in in quarter three as well. But I just go back to it, Brad. Like I, I, you know, going through all this, like emotionally, and and kind of like, okay, there's light at the end of the tunnel. But now I feel like just a a giant part of my. Sp- soul my being if you will has just been yanked out of my body and i don't know how to fill that void like i didn't realize how much this game and this sport and and me calling games and just has meant to me in my life like i take a year of that away from me and i i'm at a loss man like i i have i feel like i'm lost in life a little bit right now and i'm not trying to understate that
1: no i i feel the same way and i i miss the drive to rogers arena i miss driving home from the arena it's all dark out and the lights and you realize you've just come from this massive event then there's this quiet drive home that i've always kind of relished um the drive-in, the the pregame meals up in the yeah. up in the media. You get booth, that fancy underground
0: with... parking there at Rogers Arena too.
1: VIP status, uh, no big deal. Um, but hanging out with Brando and Chantel and yeah. and Stephen and all the people behind the scenes at Rogers Arena. I miss the summertime. I miss driving to Maple Ridge and in a thirty degree day in July yeah. and having that hour long car drive to myself and then having a game and then driving back again while the sun's setting and you have the windows down and it's starting to cool down and I, I miss it all right now. I miss yeah. it all. And that's why I hope, I think, I, I hope the WLA in the summer and the summer Got can be salvaged. Gotta go. Year. So Need here's it. my question. I think we'll, we'll put this out on, on, Stealth class Twitter this week. Stealth class. My goodness. Oh my gosh. I'm getting (laughs) lax. I'm getting emotional and my brain's getting all twisted up. (laughs) Flashing back to 2014. (laughs) Lax class Twitter account. We'll put it out. Like, what do you guys want us to talk about for the next? Yeah. We need content ideas, people. So I think the options are do we continue to try to pull nll stories out of our out of every orifice yeah. out of our ying yang and try to scrape by and, and keep talking hall of fame and, and keep it nll focused um do we shift focus and talk pll this summer i think we're probably gonna have to but do we make that a larger focus do we make summer ball a larger focus or junior a ball a larger focus if those end up going ahead but we'll put that out and, and you guys email us or, or tweet us and let us know what you want to hear more of over the next nine months yeah. um At uh,
0: lacrosseclassfight at gmail.com if you want to send an email. But you're right. I think NLLers in the PLL is going to be a thing for sure. And if summer ball is going, we're definitely focusing on that. But if it doesn't, then we're we're, we're looking for ideas. And uh, I can't remember who it was. Paul Irwin, I think it might have been, kind of suggested. Have we ever considered doing something with like pro hockey players that were really good at lacrosse. And I thought that was kind of a neat idea. And maybe we get uh, the deputy, Miss Jessica Berman to to help us out with some NHLers uh, running them down to talk about their, their upbringing and playing lacrosse as kids or something like that. So there is an idea there, but yeah, we're, we got some Hall of Famers left, no question about it, uh, but we're we're going to be looking for things to talk about here in the coming months. So if you got suggestions, fire away. And I know, like, I've gotten a bunch of good feedback, uh, great feedback, in fact, over the last couple of months about doing our Stampede Stallion of the Week, Brad. Not only, like, have the players kind of appreciated this, I think, Brad, and, and John Lentz being last week had some really nice words for us, and, and we did for him, but... Um, I think the listeners kind of appreciate this as well, kind of hearing about the the guys that don't get the spotlight, that probably deserve it, and this has kind of been a a great thing here for for guys like that, so without further ado, it's your pick this week, but, but first... I need to tell you, it was winter out there today, Brad. I was out uh, on the, the steps of the Coquitlam Crunch, trudging up through snow on the stairs. Uh,
1: Not Ladner, was it wasn't. No, well... Uh, just higher, sunshine and rainbows out yeah, here.
0: Higher elevation, a little sprinkle of, of flurries out there right now, in fact. Uh, but there's no such thing as bad weather, according to Stampy Tack and Western World. just bad clothing. They have gear from the Outback Trading Company, inspired by the harsh Australian Outback. It features the lowrider duster, the full-length slicker. Made to withstand all climates made from treated cotton, this oil skin won't quit. Much like this podcast. We won't quit or check out the Bush Ranger jacket, the teammate to the duster. You can check it all out at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local. Or you can head out to Cloverdale at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th. They've been there since 1966. That's a long time to sell Western wear and tack, Brad. Stampede Stallion of the Week, your selection. Lay it on me, brother.
1: Kitchener, Ontario, 1980. 14th overall draft selection by Albany in the 2000 NLL entry draft nicknamed the wild man mm. five foot nine sounds a little short but definitely played a bigger game uh than his five nine frame aaron wilson ladies and gentlemen yes yes indeed aaron known wilson. As, known as one of the best off ball lacrosse oh. players of all time like Sick. pick and roll game loose ball game quick sticks on the feeding crease. abilities quick sticks on the crease Uh, It started for him with the Toronto Rock. He was like a depth player on the late years of the dynasty. 03, 04, 05. Wins a championship in 05. Was a big part of that team, actually, though. Puts in 41 goals for that Toronto Rock team on that doorstep. 39 the following year, 37 after that. Like, put up big numbers. Like, we're talking... Potential Hall of Famer, maybe one day if the gates do open. I don't think I'm too far. What do we got here? i saying that. Uh,
0: 676 points in 193 games. Uh, that's that's pretty solid. That's, I mean, 3.5 a game. Yeah, it's it's yeah, right that's, there. That, that,
1: that, that's a cusper. Like most of the guys that are in or getting in are over 800. But, you know, impact and. And the way that people look back on on his game and his feistiness, and then what he brought to to Minnesota and then Edmonton, and then later on Buffalo after that, like yeah,
0: shipped around a little it's, bit it's, at the end, but um, yeah, but you never
1: know. you know never an MVP candidate, never won a scoring title, um, but one of those guys again that that was an absolute stallion that does everything for his team, and you know was just money in the bank. With without ever touching the ball, kind of like a like a Ben McIntosh, yeah, Casey Barnes. yeah, 10, 15 I, years well, I'll ago, tell you, Shane Jackson,
0: uh, Kitchener guy in in one Benny Ryan Banesh, like you you hear him talk about Aaron Wilson, uh, you'd think he was the greatest lacrosse player of all time. That's how much respect Binesh has for him, and you're talking about a guy that's like top 10 in all time NLL scoring. Talking about Aaron Wilson, so uh this guy i mean he was a coveted guy what 12 years in the league one two three four five six different teams and you think well yeah six different he got you but in order to get traded somebody else has to want you right like you, you don't get traded unless another team is willing to trade for you so long career for aaron wilson you're right like Over 40 a couple of times, but right near the cusp, a couple of more. And this guy produced on on a consistent basis. Only four games to finish off his career in 2015 with the Nighthawks. But uh, I think the knee kind of cut him short a little bit as well. But heck, yeah, I think that I like that pick a lot for for Aaron Wilson as this week's Stampede Stallion. I don't know, Aaron Wilson not on social media, Brad, so we might not get the love, but that's okay. Word may get back to Aaron Wilson that he has joined – the Stampede Tack and Western Wear stable this week as the Stampede stallion. So uh, welcome to the stable, Aaron Wilson. I think we're done on quarter number one. Brad, you got anything else?
1: Bring on Eddie Camo.
0: Yeah, Ed Camo up next. He's talking Les Bartley. A little Georgia Swarm talk in there as well. Keep it right here, episode one eighteen. Lax class back
1: after this. Associated labels and packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is NOL Hall of Famer and Head Coach of Panther City Lacrosse Club, Tracy Klosky. You
2: are
0: listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NOL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified into the second quarter we go here on episode 118. My name is Jake Kelly and I'm here with Brad Chaloner and you just heard there from associated labels and packaging you know about them now but in case you're new they are the best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging always the environment in the on the on the forefront and family-owned focusing on ethics quality 40 years of experience and cutting edge technology down there at associated labels and packaging as well we thank them for their continued support and would like to welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I think second or third time, at least here for one. Ed Camo, and and now I, I've been training myself here, Eddie, to, to pronounce the last name properly over the last like year and a bit, and and it's starting to feel natural. Uh, Ed Camo, welcome back to to Lax Class. Thanks for doing this, man. How are you?
2: I am good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, appreciate the. Appreciate that. Like I've said before, I've answered to many names, and <laughs> yes. not all of them good. So uh, that's I uh, appreciate the effort. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, we we want to talk uh, Les Bartley, of course. He one of his disciples, and and uh, a good friend of his. And and I thought you would be the perfect guy to to talk to about Les. Uh, but while we got you here, it'd be I'd be silly not to talk. A little georgia swarm lacrosse and brad and i talked about it off the top obviously the cancellation of the nll season and, and we chatted a little bit here before kind of hitting the record button as well ed that uh sad disappointing news obviously that there's going to be no season come this spring efforts to make a bubble didn't happen too many restrictions and just too many hurdles to kind of jump over here um sad for for fans and and for you as the as being a a coach with the Georgia Swarm uh, there's there's a void there's there's a gap there that you're just gonna have to wait a little bit longer to to kind of fill in
2: yeah I think everyone across the league all the fans the coaches the players the owners everyone there's there was a lot of disappointment but we know it was the right decision to make for everyone's safety and and obviously, as you said, the logistical hurdles and obstacles were just too, too much to overcome. But, but I, I think f- from a team point of view, uh, uh, you know, with respect to Georgia, you know, it's always tough because you build, you know, you build a team and you, you know, when you build a team, you have a, a certain runway of how long you're going to be successful. And I, and I know, you know, Derek Keenan has talked about the same thing at Saskatchewan, right? You're, you build a team from through the draft yeah you acquire some people so when you lose you know part of a season which basically ended you know the 2019-2020 season and then you lose the the 2021 season you, you know really makes you take a long hard look at your roster and say how's it going to look different and and I think that's something around the league that we're all all the GMs and the head coaches and all the staff were coming to terms with that our rosters could look a lot different going forward just based on necessity and almost two years of inactivity so difficult times uh, I think like every other team we're looking at it looking at it uh, with the eyes of a challenge hey we're gonna we're gonna have to see what our team is going to look like um, uh, when we start back up again but knowing that there'll be there'll be a few more faces between draft and kids that were at college that we drafted yeah so uh, it's exciting time though I, I think it's I I know each of the teams is really using this time, not just to look at their rosters, but really try to address their business models and and develop a new normalcy in the current environment. So that's something that we're all going to have to face. And no one really has a crystal ball to know exactly what it's going to look like down the road. But certainly people are, you know, a lot of smart people are spending a lot of time. Thinking about how we're we're gonna make you know re- reinvent our our game and bring it back to the to the people. So yeah, exciting times and you know disappointing, but at the same time, we're we've got to look forward and and get ourselves ready for what's gonna happen down the road.
0: Yeah, and I think you, you bring up some great points there, Eddie. That you know you have to look at it from uh from a roster point of view, and I think the front office has to look at it. From from a revenue point of view, keeping fans engaged here through social media and communications, and just kind of keep everybody on board and on the hook here as as we work uh, towards next fall. But you brought up Derek Keenan, the Saskatchewan Rush. Who, you you mentioned like lose kind of lose this last essentially two years. They were kind of starting to cook at when when the season got shot shot down, and and they missed this entire year. And and most people know, but they. They're staring at like 11, 12, 13, something like that. Free agents uh, coming off the the books here. Do do we know how all that works? Like, is this year going to count against that? And do they lose that contract year? Have things like that been discussed yet now that we know that the season is canceled?
2: I think the answer to that is it's no one knows because it's being discussed in you know, at high levels of our league and with the Player Association to try to figure out how this happens. It's really uncharted territories for us. You know what contracts are like? You write in contingencies, but I'm pretty sure none of the contracts had global <laughs> no, pandemics. There, no, yeah, there's no bandwidth. Yeah. If if someone had that in there then they should get a huge raise. Subsection
0: uh, uh, yeah. 000.17598. Exactly. Forward.
2: The the COVID the COVID section yeah. as it will be known from henceforward but so I, I don't there's no answer to say that there is any definitive answers to how that's going to work out but it it as you pointed out it's going to have a huge impact on some teams and some rosters and on the league and and then add to that that there's another team coming in this year. So there's going to be an expansion draft and, you know, potentially another, you know, entry draft. So it's, there's a lot of things that are up in the air right now that still have to be sorted out. And, and I, I believe there's conversations about that, but certainly nothing cleared up as of yet. Okay.
1: Yeah. Like we might have, you know, you might have to protect players that haven't even played, you know, like there's going to be all sorts of funky little things going forward, Eddie, but um, what I wanted to ask you is like, what kind of tabs are you keeping on, on your players right now? Like after the news breaks, did you get on the phone with the players and kind of lay out your expectations of what you want them to be working on for the next, you know, eight, eight, nine months, however long it's going to be, what kind of accountability these guys have to be, you know, pro athletes for the next three quarters of a year?
2: I think most of the guys are pretty accountable in that area. I've reached out to the majority of guys via text or phone calls just to kind of chat and get caught up and, some of that was just before this, uh, the, the news. Some of it was just after. You know, it, it's hard to, it, I use the example of, uh, you know, athletes are a lot like race cars. And if you have a race car, one of the most important things you need in a race car is a start line and a finish line. And I can't give our players any of those right now. And a lot of players are going to stay in great condition all the time. They're going to work out, but they also are going to ramp up. But they ramp up. Based on period, you know, period. You know, what's it called? Uh, uh, periodization of their fitness programs based on the start of the season. So they need to know, hey, if the season is starting in April, I am going to start increasing my workouts in February or whatever they're they're going to do. So it's it's really hard to say to someone, hey, we need you to be doing this, this, and this. And and I think some teams might be doing some of that, but our group is is pretty accountable. And our leadership group is really good at keeping in touch with all the guys. I know they're talking quite a bit on their group chats. And so I I think once we get a little bit of a start starting line, that'll give us a little bit more chance to start working backwards from that. And, and not, not just for our players too, but for our staff, we've, you know, teams have to, book training camps teams have to do all those type of things. And it's hard to do that when we, we don't, we don't really have any answers yet. So just uh, don't yeah, let the we'll,
0: MVP yeah. uh, Shane Jackson there, get off, get off the rails, Eddie. I know he could, he can slide pretty quickly that guy.
2: Yeah, no, Jacko. Uh, Jacko's all good. He's uh, he's down in uh, Atlanta right now doing some coaching and good stuff. teaching and stuff down there. So he's uh, he's working out down there and getting you know make, making sure he's ready to go whenever we get the go ahead.
0: Hey, speaking of coaches, before we get on to to the greatest uh, coach in Les Bartley, uh, you lose your guy Danny Latissour, the big dog, off your bench to the tide I don't know if we've talked to you since then. Do you have a a plan to replace him or is it just going to be you and Ferris uh, taking over the duties? How's that all, all that going to work?
2: Yeah, we, we talked a lot about that. And, and that's also a decision with our ownership group. And we, we kind of, at this point, we had kind of decided that we were going to do uh, just Sean and I Ferris, we're going to, we're going to do it. And I was going to gravitate towards doing the offense, which I've, I've done for a number of years in the league. And, and, and I, and I think part of the reason, we were comfortable in that. Is that our offensive group has been together essentially for you know four or five years? And yeah. and and I you know I'd love to say that Laddie and I and Sean take credit for what our offensive guys do, but the reality <laughs> is those guys are yeah. so creative and so good that we we provide a little bit of structure and we let you know we. Let, number, I'm not going to number gonna, four. Tell Lyle,
0: number four. Yeah, I'm not going to tell
2: way. Lyle Thompson. And, Randy Stotts and, uh, and change Jackson, and how to play like those guys know how to play. And yeah. so we give them a little bit of structure and we let them go. So I think that'll, you know, if it was a group where we had to diagram every play and we were a really young group where we had to provide a lot of instruction, it might be a little bit too hard for one person to be head coach and do the offense. But uh, you know, we think it'll, it'll work well. And, and yeah, we're really sad to lose Lottie. Uh, we, we loved him as a coach, uh, very, people don't realize how good of a coach he was and, and is, uh, and, but also just a great guy. The players loved him. The staff loved him. Just great guy to work with and travel with and gonna, gonna miss that, but real happy for him to get that opportunity in New York.
1: And then you got a young guys coming in that you haven't even seen yet in the national lacrosse league, like an Ethan Walker, who had a pretty good first weekend with, uh, with Denver there. What do you know about Ethan Walker and how excited are you to get your hands on him?
2: Yeah, I think we have got uh, some really good prospects. Some players we drafted that are going to be available and you know Robert Hudson and uh, Lane Ruska. and then also with um, Jeff Heinrich and um, and Ethan. So, yeah, Ethan's uh, you know, we watched him play some uh, major series lacrosse in Peterborough. He's he's a real sniper, but he's also a good player off ball and that's something that on our team, uh, when you have Lyle and you have Randy and you have some other guys, we, we really want guys that are able to play off ball and find the find the sneaky spots. And we know Ethan can do that for us. So, yeah, we're we're you know we're trying to watch him as much as we can uh, d- down down in Denver and watch him and and watch uh, the other guys too. And, and certainly watching to look for potential draft for next year as well. So it's it's it is a tough tough situation because uh yeah we have guys that we drafted that we we really haven't seen or you know really even met face to face since we've drafted them because of the restrictions so it's gonna be crazy to uh, see two years
0: of draft picks just injected into the league like that like it's gonna be nuts it's gonna be nuts
2: it it really is and and from a from a logistical point of view it, it it you know for teams that have you know teams that have done well and have stockpiled some draft picks and you know Saskatchewan's done that we've done that a couple other teams it begs a lot of questions how, how do you manage all that so it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see and you know but we're definitely excited to uh to see the players we drafted this year I mean the way it was going to work out that they were going to be you know if our season had started in April that yeah. they'd be finishing school Supposed and we, we might have seen them partway yeah. through the year yeah. but you know now now they get to finish their school year, we get to watch them, and then we'll we'll hopefully see them at some point in the fall.
0: Yeah, nice to have some NCAA lacrosse to watch, for sure. As we speak with the head coach of the Georgia Swarm, Ed Camo, and uh, let's talk some Les Bartley here, Eddie, because uh, we've been we've been going through all the NLL Hall of Famers and, and Les, a charter member, going in back in 2006, and, and he got his coaching career started all the way back in 92, 93 with, with the Bandits and Uh, just went on with with a storied career. We'll touch on it as we go here, but maybe first tell me how you and Les came to be. How did you end up coaching alongside of Les Bartley?
2: Well, it is an interesting story because Les, prior to me starting to work with Les, I didn't know Les other than I was a season ticket holder for the Bandits going down to watch games and watch a lot of guys that I had played with, Bob Hamley and Derek. Keenan and different guys watching them play uh so I didn't really know less other than to see him at the post game and you know kind of say you know nod my head to him but I got uh when the Ontario Raiders started in 98 in Hamilton uh, Johnny Meridian was the general manager so that was kind of the start of the the new NLL right and um So, Johnny, I knew from coaching against him. I was coaching at McMaster University in field lacrosse, and Johnny was coaching at Brock. So, we had had some battles over the years. So, uh, Johnny kind of brought me on board, uh, you know, partially because I think, you know, he knew I was a good lacrosse guy, but also with it being in Hamilton and me living in Hamilton, it made a lot of sense. So, that's how I I got started with Les, and it was was certainly – uh, it was it was a great experience. It was life life changing for for myself and many people. I got an opportunity to work with Les, but uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like we were best friends from you know growing up at all yeah. together. I first time I really got to you know meet him and talk to him was when Johnny brought me on board and working with Les, and we we obviously developed a great relationship going forward.
1: You know, and then what did you learn about his path to that point after you got to know him? Because we spoke to, I think it was Pat Coyle, who basically had the same story. Like, he didn't know. Les sort of came out of nowhere for him as well. Um, you know, what did you learn about his path to, to the Bandits in 92?
2: Well, I knew that Les, was, Les and Johnny grew up together in St. Catharines, and they played lacrosse together. And Les, self-admittedly, would always say he was not a superstar. But the one thing that you could not you could not do to Les Bartley whether it was playing squash whether it was training whether it was coaching playing was you could not work the guy like he worked harder than anyone that I've ever met and and so I I think when he first Johnny first brought him in to kind of be you know almost be like a consultant and watch and then uh buff mccready who was coaching the bandits at the time the, the team had started out kind of on a downswing and oh and which three was to be expected yeah to and be expected done. because that was it. <laughs> there, there was a lot of guys that were there was a lot of players who had never played in the league before and they had a, a really good team but just figuring out the game and how the referees called it back then and everything else and so johnny inserted less into the head coach and that was it and and you know, Les brought a lot of things to the, to the game in terms of sports psychology and, and Johnny, you know, Johnny did his master's in sports psychology and well, Johnny spent a lot of time with Les. And so he brought that to the game, things that just weren't part of the game before and, you know, motivation and, and really, really, you know, had great success obviously in Buffalo with, with that group of guys. And, and, you know, him and Johnny kind of set out for an adventure when they started up in Hamilton and then, you know, moving down the road to Toronto the next year, it was, you know, we, we had a great run at that point. So yeah, he, he definitely, uh, his, his beginnings weren't, uh, you know, he wasn't a guy who coached, you know, 25 years of minor lacrosse or, you know, coach junior and senior and did all that. Like yeah. he kind of started, he started kind of at the top, but. Kind of just hanging uh, he, around
0: he, too, right? Eddie? like yeah, Johnny talks yeah. about him just kind of being out on the, on the floor during yeah. practice and stuff. And nobody really kind of knew oh. who he was. And then, all of a sudden, he was like the head coach, and he, and he goes on a 22-game win streak out of the gates here in '92 and '93. The only undefeated season in '93, uh, two championships to go in there along with it, a 36 and 13 record in Buffalo, and then. Like that wasn't even the good part of his career. <laughs> so he goes it's warming up. Yeah. Like he, he goes, uh, or what is it? Uh, nine and one in playoff action in Toronto, four more championships there. Uh, GM of the year, of course. And, and like it just 51 in 19 in in five seasons in Toronto. And, and you were riding shotgun alongside Eddie and, and those years in Toronto, for me, that's, and, and I think a lot of people, that's when the league really kind of captivated me and I became a huge NLL fan. Seeing those games on TV in Toronto with a packed house and the championships and all of that, like take me through those years and what that was like to be a part of.
2: Well, it was truly magical years. An interesting part of that too. The first year we were in Hamilton as the Ontario Raiders. Right. We finished 6-6. Six, six and we were actually in a three-way tie for second place. Um, and the last night of the season, we beat Philly to put us in that three-way tie, but then someone else, I forget, someone else won and someone else didn't win. So it was a three-way tie, but only four teams made it. So we we weren't in the playoffs that year. And I remember less, it was like, you know, the worst thing in the world because he had been in the playoffs every year in Buffalo. But we, we still contend if we had made the playoffs that year, that first year, we would have made noise because we were getting, we were on that start. So when we went to Toronto, the expectations were when we started in Toronto, that this wasn't a new team like this was, we're we're going to win. Like we were pretty confident that we had the ability to win and, and obviously had a lot of great players led by you know, Jimmy Veltman and, and Pat Coyle, Terry Bullen, Clarkie, and, Colin Doyle, Kim Squire. I mean, you know, I mean, I go down the list and Bob Watson and Net. you know, the best goalie I think of all time. And and I think when we when so when we went there, we went with the attitude that we're going to win. Now, interestingly enough, our opening night, uh, we played in Baltimore. We lost 21 to uh, 21. 10 the game was 21-10 we lost our opening night in baltimore that
0: first year you can you can look it up it's a great story and they weren't and, even that good baltimore like back then no
2: no just it was just it was a you know we had bad travel like there was all kinds of excuses but the best line of that whole night was we uh gary gate had 10 goals that night and uh you know, Terry Bowen was joking at the bar yes. after saying, yeah, my job was to guard. I did stare. my I job. I did, did my job. And, yeah, I, kept him, <laughs> I held him to 10. That's what he said. And, and then Patty Campbell, someone said after, oh, uh, Gary Gate really beat you guys tonight. And and um, Pat Campbell said, no, he just tied us.
0: Yeah, right. So we right. had
2: 10 and we had 10. <laughs> but but so we, we had a lot of confidence with that group. And, and Les did a great job. Les, I mean, the great thing about Les, which you know, I, I alluded to earlier about how hard he worked, But, you know, he brought a lot of innovation to the game. He brought, we were doing video. uh, We were investing into video editing equipment when it was, you know, the stuff you can do now on your iPhone, you'd have to spend like $5,000 on back then. And we invested into equipment and we were doing things. And, you know, other teams were dubbing from VCR to VCR, like that type of stuff. And and
0: we we did a lot of time on
2: preparation. Hmm.
0: Less That's the word, right? I it. hear it over yeah. and over again with yeah. Les is preparation, yeah. like just the yeah. master and, of it.
2: And and I think, again, it goes to his his personality was, you know, he would even say he was a little bit obsessive about things. And his personality was that if he'd watched so much video and, uh, again, people just didn't, you know, I, I got a lot of credit there for the offense and all, you know, Eddie, you're, you know, doing a lot of stuff. I I did a lot of stuff, but people didn't give less enough credit for what he did in terms of, and I mean, that sounds weird because he got all these accolades, but there was a lot of people that would, you know, didn't understand what he brought to the game and and how much he put in to the scouting things that he picked up. Like, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, the, the, what, what we use now on a power play when people call it a wheel I'd never seen that before. Les, Les was talking about, Hey, you know what? Well, we're really stagnant. Why don't we try to like rotate and start moving? And all of a sudden the wheel is born. Right. And things like that. And, you awesome. know, he'd watch a player and he'd say, Hey, look, you know, I noticed one, you know, and I won't say the player cause he probably knows it, but you know, when this player dips his shoulder, he throws a backhand pass from the top of the power play. So we're, and, and he picks stuff <laughs> like that up. Like, you don't need how to much tell us who that
0: is. Yeah, I think we all know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So anyway, it was just the stuff that he kind of picked up on that, that the, the effort he put into it and the work that really made the difference. And it gave our team, you know, we had a lot of great players, but it gave us a lot of confidence that, you know, those players would say they, they every situation they were in, they were prepared for, they were like, we understand, we've seen this before. We know what they're doing. We, you know, we, and, and, and not just physically, but mentally too with the team building we did, the sports psychology stuff like we we worked Derek uh Les and I went and spent a weekend down at uh Derek's brother-in-law's place down in in Cornell and we worked with a sports psychology professor and you know one of the best things that ever happened to me in my coaching career things I still use to this day uh but that was all because of Les and and Johnny and, and their commitment to that and and I think, again, that was new back then. People, you know, there's players even that were on our team that rolled their eyes a little bit. Oh, why are we doing this? But there was method to the madness. And, you know, I think those guys that rolled their eyes were, were they're, wearing they're short championship now. rings yeah. because <laughs> of it. <them>, right? <laughs> they're they, coaching and, in the league right now. And Well, and by the way, too, from a coaching point of view, I was thinking about that the other day. You know, in, in football, they talk about the Bill Bill Walsh. Coaching tree, yeah. and now more recently the Bill Belichick coaching tree, or the or the Bill Parcells, like you know the different guys that have branched out. If you look at Les Barley right now, there's how many teams? I like think 13 teams.
0: Yeah, 14 10 of them. Yeah, 14.
2: Yeah. 10, 10, yeah. With Dallas, I mean, if you count Bob Hamley as a GM, 11 of the 14 teams had direct contact with Les That's as 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 yeah. a coach, or or I either see. as a player who played for him, or yeah coach with him right I think the only ones that didn't were were Mouse in Calgary uh Mike Hazen in in uh, although Mike might have even played for him in Buffalo yeah uh, but Hazer in Rochester and uh there was one other one and I can't think of who it was now when I was going through it oh uh, uh Matt Sawyer in Toronto
0: right but Blaine that. Manning's
2: on his bench too Blaine Manning's on his bench who played for last so yeah. you look around the league and you just say the impact he's had and if you if you pulled each one of those guys they would say that hey I learned a whole ton from him and and not just x and os and a lot of what we learned was about how to communicate with players how to manage situations and those sometimes uh, he he said to me one time we were and I'll forget it he said we were we used to have meetings before our practices and we'd go through video but we would do some team building stuff we would do some sports psychology stuff and and I remember, and we would have individual meetings with the players. This was back before people were even thinking about doing this. And we would talk to the players and have all kinds of conversations. And I remember the one night we were going late into a pra- our practice. We were running over. Our practice was getting ready to start. We hadn't finished the last interview we were going to do. And Les, I said, less, less you know, we're starting at five. Les said, Eddie, what we do up here? is is equally as important as what we do down there and again something that stuck with me because it was about it was about having conversations with players it was about setting expectations it was about getting developing relationships with your players and and again he was a master at that and and not just not just in lacrosse too he was a union representative yeah he brokered a deal
0: with the cba right like that i don't think many people talk about that yeah he did uh he was there and and i mean he sat with
2: buzz hargrove with the caw doing doing deals with uh the you know uh, all the, the auto workers right so you know across the country he's doing deals so the cba for him was pretty small potatoes but you know he knew you know he'd been on both sides yeah. you know he was now on management but he, he knew what the union was so he was helpful there and and again you know, just a. In in all facets of his life, he really focused on trying to really develop relationships, and it's a great lesson for all of us and for young coaches and for players to understand how how important that is. You not
1: know, not to not to undermine anybody's credentials in the National Lacrosse League, but if you look behind almost every single bench, Eddie, there's a it's it's a it's a guy who played in the National Lacrosse League. And, you know, yourself you wasn't in that category and Les Burley certainly not in that category. But do you see the league ever getting back to a point or a general manager a team, you know, taking a leap on a coach like a Les Bartley that might have come from a different background with a different story and a different set of principles and a different way of looking at the game to lead a team rather like, than Tony just grabbing, grabbing a guy who's been retired for a couple of years, who's great at X's and O's. Like, what's it going to take for the league to or a team to take a chance on someone like that again.
2: I think it, it, it is a good, it is a good point that we're seeing more and more players that you no know, different than any other sport. They retire. They want to get into coaching. They want to be part of it. And um, it, it, it is a little bit of a stretch for someone to say, Hey, I'm going to hire someone who, who didn't play at the NLL or, You know, and we say the same thing about college lacrosse in the States. I mean, how many college lacrosse coaches in the U.S. didn't play college lacrosse? You know, the answer is probably zero. And I I think it's, you know, I I don't want to say playing in the league is part of the pathway to coaching, but it's certainly one of the pathways. And But it it certainly would be a a big stretch for an owner or GM to say, I'm going to hire someone that doesn't have uh, that type of – playing experience in the league but I, I think what's even more important is is understanding that you know you could you could take a little bit of a leap like you know you look at san diego they hired patty merrill who who hadn't coached in the league and hadn't jammed in the league and they hired him and, and he's had great success there but part of it is that he's he's really dedicated to his craft and that's one of the big things is the coaching is Coaching is not showing up, throwing the balls out like it might be in, you know, minor lacrosse, or maybe it was, you know, 30 years ago. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And that's what I, I tell people that, you know, we get calls all the time about, hey, I'd like to coach in the league or what do I got to do to get in the league and say, man, like it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, if, if you, uh, if you figure out what an, the hourly pay is of every coach in the league, I can pretty much tell you, we are, we are working for, Quite a bit less than minimum wage, based on the hours we put in. So, that's yeah. <laughs> Sign and, and me up,
0: anyways. And, yeah. Uh... yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yes. and, and
2: but the, you know that that's kind of the the, the gest of it, right? It's it's a lot of work, and um, but yeah, I, I think you know being creative and and you know we, we talk a lot now about uh, you know we were, you know Super Bowl yesterday, and you look at the Bruce Arians' staff in Tampa Bay, and you know the diversity he had on that staff. He had two. You know, two uh, two female assistant coaches. He had three uh, black coaches on his staff, and you know, we say to ourselves too, we're we're a league that we need to start thinking a little bit outside of the box and with some diversity. And so, I you know, I think at some point we're going to see. Or uh, you know, there's no reason why we can't have a female yeah. Yeah. assistant coach in uh, in the league or a female general manager or whatever. So there's going to be a lot of change, I think, and especially as the league continues to grow and. You know, they get up to the number of teams you are talking about down the road. We're we're gonna have a we're gonna have a lot of different faces behind the benches and in administrative and coaching and management positions.
0: No question about it. Uh, Les Bartley, 93 and 38 overall, 18 and 4 in the playoffs. Uh, 2006 charter member of the NLL Hall of Fame and now the Coach of the Year award named after Les Bartley. Uh, Eddie, thanks so much for for talking about your great friend Les and uh listen i i think it's not going to be too long after you're done coaching that you're going into the hall of fame as well can't wait to see you back with the georgia swarm when we get rolling again I appreciate your time
2: thanks jumbo and uh and brad and i i think i could speak for all the uh people that worked with less that we you know we there's not a day goes by that we all don't think about him and we don't miss him and Think about what he did for our, our game and our league and ourselves. So thanks again for giving me the opportunity to speak about less and
0: all the best to you guys. No doubt, no problem, and to you as well. That was Ed Camo, head coach of the Georgia Swarm, and Brad. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm walking out on a pretty thick limb here, saying future Hall of Famer as well.
1: Yeah, waxing eloquently throughout that that whole interview. That is that is a great lacrosse mind, and you know maybe there there is a vacancy on that bench. And I know it's not supposed to be filled anytime soon. It may not be filled anytime soon, but maybe Ed Camo is the one who goes out there and, and grabs someone out of left field to, yeah. to put behind that Georgia bench and, 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 and make some waves and, and turn some heads and maybe grab maybe a mind from that neck of the woods down there, someone that's in the community. And, so who knows might be an opportunity there but no doubt. man like i wish i wish we would have had the ability to to have Les partly on the show and ask questions to him because yeah, yeah that tree is just it's unbelievable. The players that he it's touched the crazy. players that he coached and yeah it's yeah. wild was that was that a presentation of stampede tack and western world brad uh, tell me about our friends at stampede tack please. they love hardworking people just like lacrosse people and that's why they carry a wide range of csa work boots designed for those who work hard and are tough on their gear, with boots such as the Steel Toe Workhog or Turbo Styles right yep. from the Ariat. There's no doubt that these boots will keep up with you on any job, or on the Green Patch CSA line of boots from Blundstone or the Bobcat boot from Redback. They've yes. got it all. They do everything they- to help get the job done right. And of course, Stampede also carries some homemade Canadian work boots from both Boulay and Canada West Boots. Well done.
0: Out there in Cloverdale, Brad. Shine them up, baby! Shine them 60, up. Sixty-six uh, corner one hundred eightieth and Highway Ten, or you can still shop local by shopping online. Stampede.ca is your website, and and I'll tell you, Brad. Uh, I've been watching. Yellowstone lately, me and Danny have been getting into Yellowstone. Oh, I just fired it up too. Uh, listen, I, I'm looking at all this stuff like the buckles and the hats and the jackets, and, and there I see the bush ranger and the duster and all it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Stampede's got all of this stuff here. I'm super into Yellowstone, I'm like, it's it's all the rage right now. So, uh, pretty cool watching Yellowstone and thinking, like, yeah, they got that at Stampede. So
1: you're, no. starting to, you're starting to notice all the. Totally, all the all the apparel. All I, t-
0: <laughs> I totally am. All right, let's get to break here on EP one eighteen quarter three. Up next, Quick Sticks is what we do in the third quarter. Keep it right here, at Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network.
2: A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this:
1: Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones.
2: Nothing's monotone.
1: Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease.
2: Nothing's boring.
1: Now we're gonna have a fight. It's the captain squaring off.
2: And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside.
3: Tries a shot and he scores.
2: Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit
1: VancouverWarriors.com/tickets today.
2: Hey, this is Randy Scott from the Iroquois Nationals. You're listening to Lags Class, your go
0: to source for all NLL and box lacrosse. Back on lacrosse classified into the third quarter, we go, and in the third quarter, we're going to talk some quick sticks now before I tell you about the Vancouver Warriors, vancouverwarriors.com uh, academy still happening out there at the Langley Events Center. I'm not sure if you can still sign up for that or if it's a week by week thing. Check out the website at nllwarriors, vancouverwarriors.com excuse me, on Twitter and Instagram at nllwarriors or you can give them a call 604-899-4625 and uh, maybe talk to our guy Dave Shelton. He can give you some more information on the Warriors Academy. But so little we'll, post up there on the ig uh, with the kids working with the goalies eric penny as well prices details everything up there vancouverwarriors.com check him out uh quick sticks up here in quarter three brad and uh we we talked about tom brady winning the super bowl in in quarter one rob gronkowski a couple touchdowns in in the super bowl big manscaped guy uh getting it done for the Bucks as well. But you know what, Brad? I, I came across, uh, well, Danny showed me this Instagram post of this, one of the girls that she, she follows all sorts of fashionistas and all the rest of it on on the IG. But she showed me this story on Instagram of this girl who, you know, bought this thing, bought the, bought the perfect package, the lawnmower for, for her husband for Valentine's Day but decided she was going to give it a test drive before she gifted it to him. And she had never tried Manscaped products before, and she was kind of chuckling at the fact that it was, you know, your balls will thank you, and it was all geared towards men. But women have these needs too, Brad, where they need to to keep themselves groomed properly. And and she had had a, a female product designed for Cleaning up down there for your lady parts, but decided that she was going to give the lawnmower a go on herself. And let me tell you, she came back with absolutely raving reviews about the skin safe technology, the light. She loved the fact that it was waterproof and no nicks, no cuts, no nothing, and said whatever she was using before, I can't remember. The- this thing the lawnmower blew it out of the water so with all that being this product ladies and ladies and gentlemen not just designed for men and and balls and all the rest the women can benefit from manscaped too fellas if you're women Valentine's Day right around the corner here, Brad. This is the perfect gift for your significant other, male, female, or otherwise. Promo code LAXGLASS20, 20% off and free shipping.
1: Sell it, Jake Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. That I'm buying what you're selling, man. Are You're selling... Um, I'm telling you. You should be going door to door, you know, talking about <laughs> not losing your lacrosse. <laughs> not right now, not, not this COVID, winter. Not, I'm um, not doing door to door. Yeah, you know we're we're still door to door here in the Lower Mainland. Wear masks. Keep your distance. Wear a mask. Box <laughs> class twenty promo code. Yeah. I can I can come with you. You can shave my back in front of people <laughs> and show people how how silky smooth that <laughs> actually is. Hey. I, Tame this animal. Well, I knew like I I had to know that if it's safe
0: enough to to get around the family jewels on men, surely it's safe enough to to work around uh you know parts that aren't dangling off of you. Oh, yeah. So uh oh, yeah. women. Manscaped, lax Class 20 is your promo code, free shipping, 20% off, and and Valentine's Day, that's a gift that keeps giving all year long. Quick sticks up here in quarter three, Brad, and let's get through this rather hastily, I'm going to say. Burlington and Six Nations have new governors in charge. You, you recall the TLL and, and teams leaving. Not so much the case. The Ontario Junior Lacrosse League is not, in, not allowing this. The communities are not allowing to just rip their team out of the community. Billy Greer and Cardi with Burlington and one Cody Jamison Jammer- saying, I will be the governor GM of the Six Nations Chiefs or Arrows, excuse me. And, and he's not letting his arrows go anywhere they're they're staying right in the OJ
1: yeah interesting to follow this this story and see what becomes of it because now it, it, jammer was very vocal uh, about about it being worked away from the community and saying kind of like why, why is it why wasn't anybody consulted with this and how can how can the team just walk away but it'd be in, curious to figure out you know through Jake Henhock's um Circle like how are they allowed to take that branding? Then if like who owns this team? Yeah, we're still gonna get Jake on, or
0: maybe Stu Brown as well. But it's a big mess right now, Brad. But, but it's yeah, kind of yeah, like a lo- you,
1: lot of fighting going on. Can Can you take the arrows to the TJLL, and then does does Cody's group have to launch a new team? Like I don't I don't know who owns yeah. the arrow. Who owns that branding? Is it community owners? Someone's I think gotta,
0: so. I, it's different I it for if it's different for each kind of individual, like. Some some cities own the team, and then there's teams where actual people own the team and, and the logo. So, little little convoluted there. We'll keep on top. We, we're still. We we might have Jake on. We'll we'll figure it out. Uh, what else do we got here? Could you imagine
1: being having to choose? Like you're growing up in Six Nations, and now you're going, okay, do I want to play Junior A, compete for Minto with the Arrows? Yes. Or do I want answer. to go play NLL? Yeah, do I want to go play NLL rules with maybe another group of yeah. people? who I'll get there when I get there.
0: I'll get there when I get there. I want to play for the Minto Cup if I'm in Junior Lacrosse. Uh, story time with Paul Dawson. I, I saw this for the first – have you seen this on Twitter, Brad? Paul Dawson story time.
1: I read Paul Dawson's story time describing <laughs> hanging out with the Boston Bruins one night in Boston. That that is it's legendary. absolute legendary.
0: Check this out, Big Dawes two. I think is his Twitter handle, and I didn't know this was a thing until last week. But just you know, like Dawes, he just goes on Twitter and just more or less pens out a story with. with... Well,
1: Zach Zach Greer is actually the legend of that tale. Yeah, if you you read through the read fine the story. Print, it was read the Greer, story. Greerzo who who brought all the
0: connections together. He did did read the story good stuff i'm looking forward to the next one paul story time with with paul dawson uh george westwood big tough hombre from from the victoria shamrocks now doing great work over there on the island I'm, i believe so more up in Naimo than anything else but running some lacrosse camps and i got turned on to a story here a kid named ford Preston uh, has Tourette's and has some issues kind of growing up and was really struggling with lacrosse kind of being taken away from him. It was his outlet to kind of let out his aggression and his energy. And, and it got taken away from him with COVID and everything. And, and then it got to a point where his family couldn't afford to, to get him into camps and stuff. Cause they weren't working. Well, well, Ford went out and and raised like over three grand of his own money, kind of going to small businesses around his community and, and telling his story. And I just thought this was fantastic, so I wanted to mention this. And and Georgie Westwood doing great work with with the kids over there on the island and uh, big impact on on a kid like Ford. So great story there that I wanted to mention. Another great story, kind of coming out through the NLL channels. Referee for the NLL, Kyle. Kennery say this one come out Brad kind of telling a story sharing a story coming out if you will that here's an NLL ref that was kind of living a lie for a long time married kids all the rest of it but his inner self telling him that that wasn't really the life he was supposed to lead did you did you see the story on on the NLL socials about Kyle this pansexual I didn't even know what a pansexual was before before Kyle's story I do now and Pretty courageous for him to come out and tell it.
1: Yeah, and hopefully not the fur not the last to, to come out and tell this story. Hopefully the first to come out and tell the story and sort of be a be a pioneer because it would I could not imagine, you know, living living in a shadow like that and feeling that you can't be your true self. But we're getting to a place in the world right now where and, and rightly so and, and amazingly so, that people can tell their story and feel like they're being accepted right now, and that's so good to hear that he's putting it out there and that hopefully other people can, can follow suit and have nothing to be ashamed of. And this is me, this is who I am. And, and, and that's it. Like I'm, I'm a fantastic sport loving guy who referees the national lacrosse league. And there's nothing that's just, it's just the way to go. It's the way to go. So huge pat on the back uh, for, for putting himself out there like that and explaining his true self and hopefully other people can follow suit.
0: Yeah. That's uh, that's, that takes a lot of courage to, to do something like that. Um, what else have we got here in Quick Sticks, Brad? We got uh, me and you next uh, – well, no, it's this Thursday, in fact, February 11th, WlaLacrosse.com. I think it's a 7 p.m. Pacific time start. Going to be doing the W.A. draft, which is uh, good medicine for for both of us, kind of back to feeling of normalcy a little bit. Uh, we did the Junior A draft. Now we're doing the W.A. draft uh, this Thursday night. I'm looking forward to it.
1: I had so much fun doing the – the U sixteen junior A draft and like, you know, us not knowing almost anything about a lot of the players being plucked to being able to fill up a, a two hour broadcast and, and you know talk about the teams and, and have some fun with the GMs and their picks and it was nice to be on a on a camera and on a microphone. And I think we're going to have his equal amount of fun on uh, on Thursday night. So, yeah, make sure you check out WLALacrosse.com and follow that link and, and chat with us during the broadcast because we'll keep it interactive. We'll, we'll read your comments out. and That's the funnest hope... part,
0: right? Being interactive yeah. during and, the whole and thing. And
1: I look forward to you throwing me under the bus numerous times with your uh, tell me about this player, Brad. Tell me about this player, Brad. Well, The junior B player from West Shore that That's I don't my have my favorite. research on.
0: That's my favorite part.
1: You've been doing that to me for <laughs> it's about funny. a decade.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I was about to say, I, I you know, like I, I get the the memories popping up on my Facebook, and you know, last couple of weeks or last week or whatever, it's been. Wa, I'm doing the Wa draft tonight, and we're like talking about going back like 12, 13 years uh, of memories doing, doing the draft. So, uh, looking forward to doing another one with you, and this one will be unique because we haven't seen these guys in in a couple of years playing so uh we're we're gonna be doing a lot of minutiae i think a lot lot of fill
1: you know what's funny i I looked back as i was going back to look at uh, draft years past and and, i know you always like to assume that i know every nugget on every player from delta do you keep all your notes
0: and stuff like do you keep all your no i don't
1: have i don't have any of that but i looked on the draft list and there was a name i think i don't know if it was a year or two ago But it was one of the final picks of the draft, and the Victoria Shamrocks drafted uh, Isaac Richmond from the Delta Islanders. And I mean, it was like the last pick of the draft late to the night. (laughs) And I remember you just throwing out, (laughs) what can you tell me about Isaac Richmond? And you know what? It's funny because a year later, Isaac Richmond is now my barber (laughs) at Billy's Barbershop in Ladner.
3: And now I can tell you
1: everything about Isaac Richmond. He was drafted by Vic because a family member – an uncle is part of the staff in Victoria shamrocks. And that's why they went with a, with a local, with a ladder kid from an Island pick late in the draft, which is always kind of wonky, but you know, he was, he was a junior, a little bit of junior a, but a a junior B guy won the provincials for the junior B Delta Islanders. And then, you know, his uncle family member does the nice thing that you do. And he, a, a late round draft pick on a family member, which you see all the time. Um, but you know, he's he's he listening, listening to the bit podcast. To, he's chomping he at the bit to play some. To, I hope so. I hope he's so. He's chomping at the bit to, to play some senior B and get on the floor with the Pioneers one day. But in the meantime, he's becoming a hell of a barber in Ladner. So okay, yeah, well, I wish I had all as this. You info. wear a hat as we I, record right now. I wish I well. I got to get the fresh, I got to get the fresh haircut oh, before due. the draft. So I'm, I'm definitely do. Yeah. I'm going Thursday morning to get it fresh cut for draft night. That's how I roll. Okay. But I'll, I'll tell Isaac about this and I uh, wish I had those nuggets of info on him a year ago, man. but, but now I do. So nuggets. shout out to, to Isaac Richmond. If he's listening,
0: shout out to ice T, Brad, uh, we're both big ice T fans. At least I am. I'm pretty sure you are back in the African band evil Lee back in the day, Brad, uh, Put out a tweet saying, How come hockey is the only sport you're allowed to fight in? And and the NLL tweeted back and said, like, yo ice, check this out <laughs> and bust and up against scrap and he was like, Damn So I think Ice T might be a might be a
1: fan. Well, when we get a team in LA yeah. in East LA one day, home and then, of the uh, body bag. Maybe, maybe 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 Ice T can be like the biz nasty for the new expansion LA franchise That'd be something. maybe maybe Cam Holding and Steve Govett need to get a hold of them to come down to, to San Diego that'd be something that'd be something
0: all right I think that's it for quick sticks uh here in quarter three quarter four is up next something else keep it right here lacrosse flash podcast network
1: this is Ryan Banesh of the Halifax Thunderbirds you're listening to lacrosse classified on the game one podcast at a time
0: Order number four, episode 118. No more breaks here on Lacrosse Classified. Big thanks to everybody who is listening to this podcast and future and past ones as well. We appreciate you. Don't forget to subscribe. Throw a review down as well. You can follow along at LaxClass on Twitter, Lacrosse Classified on Instagram. We've got a Facebook page lacrosse classified at gmail.com is your email brad is at brad Chell. i am at pxp for sports hopefully you wrote all that down in time you can find us everywhere on social media and i hope you do so here in quarter number four we like to do a little something called something else so without further ado let's try something else Let's begin.
3: all right now wasn't that fun Let's try something else.
1: Oh, let's try something else.
3: Hey, Bradley and Jake, it's Jim Else here. Time for another week of something else on the Lacrosse Classified Podcast. It would be pretty darn easy for me to talk about the NLL and its canceled season um, as of last week. Um, it, but I, why do that? Everybody else has talked about that. There isn't much to say. It's just sad. Instead, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and let's talk about something that uh, is pretty darn obvious as well. And love them or hate them, uh, your guy... Uh, Everybody's guy, uh, Tom Brady, is the GOAT. He's unreal. He packs up from everything comfortable. uh, The only team he's ever known in New England, and he moves down to Tampa Bay, uh, and they win win it all. The guy breathes success. It's unreal. Uh, He... He brings along Gronkowski. It's like they've it's like they've done it a million times, a couple of touchdowns to start the game, and that's it. It's over. Um thirty-one to nine. Uh their defending champ uh Chiefs never had a chance. Uh, it was unbelievable the way they dissected that team. People will say, Oh, the referees wanted Tom to win, or the referees did this, or the referees did that. Well, you know what? I don't see the referee wearing number twelve and throwing touchdown passes. Um, and that's exactly what Tom Brady did for the seventh time uh NFL champion. Unbelievable. Uh, the, we're, we're lucky to watch him play. We're lucky to watch uh, football like this uh, in this day and age of COVID and everything else. And uh, just uh, let's mark ourselves as lucky and uh, and cheer, uh, cheer for uh, a good guy winning his seventh uh, NFL championship. Anyways, that's about it. Um, hopefully see you next week. Take care. Good times. Ciao
0: something else right there from jim else and uh i wasn't sure what jim was going to talk about this week but uh he he said it right off the top uh, no need to to rehash the nll canceling the season he wants to talk a little tom brady winning number seven and the goat Brads, uh people now making the who's better jordan brady as far as the the team sport goat goes seven super bowls and 10 attempts like for me it's it's great i know he doesn't have to play defense like jordan does but my god like that is pure greatness and love him or hate him patriots whatever you cannot deny what this man has accomplished in his athletic career just astonishing
1: it's astonishing and it's it's absolutely inspiring too. like the conversation my wife and I had watching the game last night. You know, she was kind of asking questions like how and why, and trying to figure out what avocado what... ice cream. Well, that's what I said. Well, not not in those words, but I I think I said no sugar, no alcohol. Yeah. And that is what is kept him going. That TB12 diet. Huh. Um, you know, and you think of some all-time greats, and they really have to sacrifice a lot yeah. to get to that greatness. And there's also that level of being possessed. Like they talk about Kobe Bryant, and we saw the Michael Jordan documentary, just how yeah. How much driven they they're just needed to win yeah but almost driven from like um obsession obsession because of there's there's you know they're, they're needed there's a lack of something that they're filling with their drive to win yeah. some people fill up those things with drugs and alcohol yeah. or whatever you yeah. know john yeah. brady and, and kobe Bryant and michael jordan fill it up with wanting to beat your ass <laughs> and win rings and win championships <laughs> And just win, win, win. Like, that is their drug, and that's what keeps them going. That is their vice. That's what they're absolutely addicted to at, at all costs, right? You can't say that everything is all rosy in those people's lives, but you need to give up a lot to have that kind of success. That's
0: how I feel about us in this podcast, Brad, that we're right?
1: just driven just to bury the competition. Right? And we're going to grind through for the next nine months Yeah. driven to to talk lacrosse. We Excellence we is what we, what we
0: do try to reach every single week. Uh, so with all that being said, Brad, like I we talked about the top, the goat, the Tom Brady of lacrosse. Past if we're talking the NLL, it's got to be Jim Veltman. If we're talking past overall field international box pro, it's got to be Junior. But right now,
1: like I don't know who the current I don't know if there is a current goat of lacrosse. Do you? Well, I'm 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 not gonna debate Jim Veldman too much because he did exactly what Brady did, but wasn't late stages. He won championships and kind of Eight. did all he could do in Buffalo and then did it again in Toronto, which yeah. is absolutely unreal with two different two different squads. Eight. And and a leader. The other thing about Brady that they talked about a lot on the broadcast last night was that not only does he bring his skill set, but he, he changes the culture wherever he goes. Yeah. Right. He totally changes the dynamic in a locker room and guys want to follow him. And that's what Jim Beltman did. Um, I kind of think from afar, Colin Doyle, you might put in that conversation too. Like that's a guy, if he Winner. moved to your team, you were an instant contender and he changed the culture and made everybody around him better. So that, those are kind of two guys from the past that I would pinpoint Yeah, now, Matt Vince got to win like, like he, he got to win won, another team though like you got to right so but but he he won he won 3 with Rochester and then went to a finals you know, has it has, has went went to a finals and but then goes to Buffalo Buffalo instantly becomes a contender because he's on that roster yeah so that to me speaks of sort But of I think like you, if have you get to, traded to a team and now all of a sudden you're in the conversation well that, like that, I, that might be the closest thing we have right now You compare it though, like, so you
0: compare it like the way I look at it, like now that he's got seven, but he's got at least one with another team. So you have to, it has to be a guy that has won multiple championships, but with two different teams. And like, I think a guy like Jeff Schaller, yeah, he's won two different championships with two different teams, but not three. You know what I mean? And then you think of a guy like Mark Matthews, he's won three championships, but hasn't won. With a different team, so I don't, I don't know. Like I, I think of a guy Matthews, like ben Matthews, Ben McIntosh. Be... Maybe if he wins with Philly, like he could be the guy.
1: Yeah, but you know, I think you also have to be one of the best in the entire game. Right, it's not just about you can't just. Jameson. be a, Not that this is not that this is Ben McIntosh, but you can't just be. You know, we're not talking Gronk, right? Like Gronk is the guy who's won those championships on both teams, but Brady is. Yeah. is the best player of his position.
3: Fun right? topic. So that's
1: that's where we can talk, Vince. I think, yeah, Matthews, if, hey, Matthews is one of those guys we're going to have to talk about in, in a year or two based on his free agency because I think he will be a UFA. Yeah, he will be. Right? Not, He's not one of those this, guys yeah. on Sask.
0: Yeah, not But this he'll year, be 30,
1: right, or he is 30 now. So I think he might be a UFA, and that's a guy who, you know, imagine he signs not to sign in Sask. And don't talk he like that. Stop and it. And he signs he signs in Toronto. T- that's an instant contender t- to me. Yeah. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. And that is that is Brady's yeah. status right there. So yeah. that's close too. All right. Well that's uh These are the uh, scenarios we're gonna be speculating on for the next nine months. There you go.
0: Buckle up, people, and uh I think that's right we should probably save something for next week, bro. I think that was a monster episode right there, so Let's end it right there and uh, say thank you again for, for listening, everybody. Thanks to Eddie Camo for, for coming on to talk about Les Bartley. Jim Else, of course, with something else. All our sponsors, Stampy Tack, The Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, Manscaped, uh, the listener, you for, for checking out Lax Class each and every week. We can't thank you enough. Brad, thanks for co-hosting once again. And I think that is going to do it. I got all the other stuff out of the way. So with that being said, for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator, thanks for listening to Lacrosse Classified. Be safe and be healthy, everybody.